In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. We're gathered here today, and we are gathered here for a very important reason. That is that God called us to a life of fellowship. God called us to a life of being together and not being alone. Ever since the creation of humankind, ever since God made Adam and Eve, he had recognized from the beginning, because we were created in his image and his likeness, that, in the words of God himself, it was not good for man to be alone. So God didn't create us to be alone. God created us to be together, to be in fellowship, to share, and to share in the experience with one another. And when you look here, whether it's you know, the, the, wonderful, the wonderful youth who are here from the area, or people who are visiting, uh, or various churches, what is it that brings us together? It's a concept of fellowship. And within that concept of fellowship, we have a very important understanding of what friendship is. As with everything we do in Christian life, Everything that is about us has to be focused around and built on Christ. That's really important. That's very, very important. Because, of course, we have lots of friendships. You have lots of friends who do not share a Christ-centered relationship with you. And I just want to clarify that that doesn't mean they just need to be Coptic Orthodox, because I'm sure when you share in your lives, when you go to your, your schools, your colleges, your work, you can have other like-minded Christians there who share in your faith and who live righteously, just as you try to live. But it's important for us to realize that that is the core of what we do. 1 Corinthians 15 reminds us that we should not be deceived because evil company corrupts good habits. So what happens is, in your life, you build yourselves up, you work tirelessly, you try to be the best person you can be, you develop, you grow spiritually, you do everything. You stay away from sin, you stay away from sinfulness, you live righteousness, you make the right decisions... But then suddenly, you make a friendship. And that friendship, at the beginning, seems really good. On paper, it sounds great. Like-minded, like doing the right things, like doing the same things. We share in experiences. But then more and more, what you find is that this relationship is not with godly company. And so what happens is that company that is not godly is going to have an effect. There are only really one of three scenarios you can share within this context. The first is that in the best case scenario, you will attract that person to your path. That's great. 
Second scenario is somehow you will walk an awkward middle ground where you'll do something sometimes, you won't at others, you'll feel awkward about saying yes, you'll feel awkward about saying no, you'll do things at times and you'll feel guilty about them and time and time again, that guilt starts to be cut down, conscience starts to adapt and we start to change. And that's why that middle ground, that lukewarmness, that lack of direction is extremely detrimental. It's hard enough to walk our Christian path when we're doing the right thing and surrounded by the right people. But the minute you find that there are other people there pulling you in other directions, it becomes more difficult. So that's the second scenario. The third scenario is the one that is probably most immediately destructive, and that is you have not pulled this person to your way of thinking. You have not walked this awkward and almost impossible middle ground, but what you have done is you've been dragged the other way. You've been pulled in the other direction, and you find that everything you've built up has suddenly been lost. Now, looking at you, I know that you probably have a variety of ages here. And you might think that what I'm speaking about applies to adolescents in schools. But you'd be surprised, and I'm sure you will uh, agree with me, that in the workplace even, this becomes a problem. We almost regress. You get into the workplace, everyone's going out for that party or those drinks or doing this thing or doing that thing or practicing in this way or living in this way and you're, you're in a dilemma. Do you fit in? Do you stand your ground? Do you become part of it? Do you reject it? And that becomes very, very difficult. So this is not a challenge that we grow out of. This is a constant challenge. It's a constant challenge because very simply, Satan will always try to pull you in a different direction, especially when you are going in the right direction. That's why in Proverbs 12, 26, we read, the righteous should choose his friends carefully for the way of the wicked leads them astray. Now, the way of the wicked leads the sinful astray, the wicked astray, but it could also end up leading those who are righteous astray. But let's, wake, let's make one deal from the outset. I'm not speaking about you as victims, because that would be condescending. You know, I, I wouldn't insult you. I'm not going to say, you know, sometimes you get these overprotective parents who say, yeah, but my kids are great, but it's always the other kids who do it. You know, it's always the other kids who are a bad influence. It's always the other kids who lead them astray. But actually, no, I, I respect you far too much to think that you are just going to be dragged by the nose in directions you don't want to go in. And so, no, we are complicit. We are part of the problem. Actually, we are the significant part of the problem because as we live, you will always be given options. And it's up to us whether we choose those options or we reject them. 
we accept them into our lives or say, no, this is not for me. So I don't want you to walk out of here thinking, oh, here we go, we're talking about cops being perfect and we're all good and everyone in the world's really evil, because that's not the case. But it's based on your selection, based on your experience. I was just speaking to a group of your brothers and sisters yesterday, not too far away, and said that Christian life is based on individual selections, individual choices. And so the friendships you decide to have or the friendships you decide to reject are going to form you one way or another. And of course, we sometimes accept very bad friendships and we sometimes reject very good ones just because they don't suit our agenda. To be like-minded is essential and critical in a relationship. There is an element of trust that must be there between you and your friends, your brothers and your sisters. And so in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 13, verses 6 to 8, we read, If your brother or your friend, who is as your own soul, someone who is as close to you as you can imagine, secretly entices you, saying, Let us go to serve other gods, which you have not known, neither you nor your fathers, you shall not consent to him or listen to him. Now, we don't have pagan worship these days, but we have other things we worship. We can worship material possessions. We can worship a lifestyle. We can worship um, a way of thinking, a way of speaking. We can worship ethics and morals. And so if someone comes to you and says, you know, this, whatever you're doing, it's not right. Let's go do something else. Let's go do this other thing. That, that's not going to help. And we're told here, categor categorically, say no. You shall not consent to him or listen to him. Why? Because the minute you go onto that other path, you choose a different life. You choose a different life. Again, I'm not going to patronize you. I'm not going to look at you as victims. You're not going to be dragged into this lifestyle, but you have chosen to go that other way. And God knows we make those choices every time, all the time. And yet, it comes back to, to harm us. Let's put it this way. You are the handiwork of God. God has spent so much time and so much effort making you exactly who you are. As beautiful as you are, as wonderful as you are, he's given you his image and likeness. He's formed you. In our church, as a traditional Orthodox church, he's given you his sacraments to make you part of that. We're washed in baptism. We're given membership of his body in chrismation. We share in his body and blood in the Eucharist. We are cleansed in repentance and confession. He gives us all of those things. He does everything conceivable to make us the best possible people we can be. 
even to the extent as we are celebrating these days where he left his kingdom and he took flesh and he came to dwell among us. But we sometimes consciously and knowingly and willingly just turn our backs on that and say, well, we're not interested anymore. Thank you, God, because I found this friendship, this relationship that I have with others more satisfying, more immediately satisfying. Yes, I know, God, you will give me life and the kingdom and all of these things, and, and sometimes we're very dismissive of all of this. Yes, thank you, Lord, we, we know that. But you know what? I need fellowship today. I need companionship today. I need to be accepted today. And if being accepted by the world means turning my back on you, as harsh as it sounds, that is actually what I do. We make a choice. We make a choice and say, thank you, God, but no thank you. You give me a great life. You give me a great direction. You give me great options. But maybe when I'm older and more boring. Maybe when I don't have so many options in my life. Maybe when I'm my parents' age because they have responsibilities and work and stuff. And, and it's really easy to be Christian and mainstream and boring when you're my, the age of my parents. But me, as a young person, no, no, I've got to live life on the edge. I've got to be exciting and excited. I've got to be constantly challenged. I've got to be constantly doing new things. And that being constantly challenged is good unless we are pushing the wrong boundaries. Because sometimes when we push the wrong boundary, we will unfortunately, and to our own horror sometimes, actually break through it. We won't expect it, but we'll break through it. We, we, sometimes, we sometimes just sort of play with danger. We, we, we put it at arm's reach, and we get as close as we possibly can. But then what we don't realize is sometimes it's one push too many. And we go over the edge. And our lives change forever. The important thing to remember, however, is this. That no matter how much our lives could possibly change, there is always a way back. Always. In repentance, in confession, in the sacraments, there's always a way back. So as far as God is concerned, we can never be too far away. As far as God is concerned, we can never stray too far. We will be like that one sheep that strays and the shepherd will go seek it, wherever it might be. Or that one son who decides to go his own path, but his father will wait for him for as long as it takes to come back. But God never ever turns his back on us. Relationships need to be Christ-centered because it's when you have Christ-centered relationships that they carry you to Christ. And one very important example of that is, is the four friends of the paralytic. Now, we always share the story and say, oh, of course, look, lovely friends who went and carried the... But they went above and beyond any expectation. 
They went and they carried their friend a long, long way. And then when they couldn't get him inside, they went up on the roof, they vandalized some poor guy's roof, which I wouldn't, I wouldn't suggest you do, because I think civil, civil law actions back then were slightly different. But I wouldn't want you to suddenly think, oh, Jesus is in this house, let's go pull this man's roof apart so he can drop someone in the middle of it. But that's what they did. They went up and they brought him to Christ because they were so confident. You say, you don't do that if you're not confident. You don't do that if you're not sure. You don't take risks like that if you don't think they're going to pay off. And it wasn't for them. They didn't benefit anything. It was actually for him. So selfless friendships that are Christ-centered are essential. Because you could be on either side of that equation, that relationship. You can either be the one doing the carrying or indeed sometimes the one being carried. None of us is exempt from falling. None of us is exempt from being spiritually paralyzed. And so what we need to do is for as long as we can, be the ones who carry our friends. So that whenever and if ever, and I hope that by God's grace it never happens to you, but if and when it happens, then you have someone to carry you as well. And it's not someone who's going to say, well, yeah, this is just a duty, I'm going to go do it, here you go, drop it in front of Jesus and leave. These are people who are committed to a journey. So if I were to ask you, what kind of friend do you think you are? Would you commit to that? Would you commit to that level of dedication? Would you commit to that level of, of love and support? And if you say yes, that's very good. If you say no, you need to work on it. But then I'll ask you on the other flip side of that. Are you surrounded by enough committed people to you? Committed people to you. And committed doesn't mean they always say, yeah, you're great, you're lovely, we love you, you're the best person in the world, you're the most attractive and you're the most intelligent and anything you do is right and we never, ever, ever, ever um, challenge what you do because, wow, you're great. That's not necessarily a good friend. If those things are true, then great. But your good friend is going to be the one who has the right and who has the wisdom to say, well, hang on just a minute. Are you really doing the right thing? And then you must decide whether, okay, am I going to listen to my friend or not? What's the point of having people around you who are just going to say, yes, everything you're doing is right. Lovely. Great. Well done. Walking into a ditch, great. Walking off the end of a cliff, wonderful. <laughs> Making life-threatening decisions, really great. You're wonderful, yeah. You're going to do something that takes everything with you, great. You're living on the edge, you're being adventurous. Wonderful, great. But that's not what we need. Sometimes you need someone to say, no, hang on, look. I love you, but you're being foolish. I love you, but this is wrong. This is not what you should be doing. I love you, but you are putting your life at risk 
how many of your friends would be that kind of friend? Because some people can be overly critical, and I mean negatively critical, and just try to bring you down. And others will just constantly be trying to lift you up on a pedestal. But you don't need either of those two extremes. You need someone who's going to be honest with you and say, yes, of course, because you know why I'm honest with you? Because I love you and care about you and because we are committed to the same journey. In the book of Ecclesiastes, we are told very clearly that two are better than one. Because if you're on this journey and there are two rather than one, then if one falls, the other will pick that person up. If one falls, then at least there will be support. In the Gospel of St. John, chapter 13, verse 35, our Lord says to his disciples, By this they will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And love does not just mean, um, yeah, I think you're great and I'm committed to you when going is good. But love means that if you're putting your friends first, you're putting your brothers and sisters first, if you've been in that difficult situation where you're all in the upper room and you are hiding for your lives because the world around you is, is very, very aggressive and, and hostile and you are there praying together and waiting for Christ, then that's also what they needed to do. You are not invincible. None of us is invincible. I'm not, you're not. We are all weak and limited. But the more you are surrounded by people who are strong and robust, the more safe you are. But it's not a selfish relationship. It doesn't mean, great, I'm going to pad myself with all these strong people, because you know what? Those strong people are going to depend on you as well. So you have a commitment and a responsibility to being strong as well. We can't just sit back. You know those annoying friends when you go out sometimes and everyone's sort of paying and they're the ones everyone's always paying for. They never carry their own tab. You know, when you're doing your calculations, not that this will ever happen, doing your calculations when you've gone out as a big youth group, well, first of all, let's go one step back, right? Sunday afternoon, you've just finished liturgy and you're meeting in the car park or if you don't have a car park, it's in some annoyed neighbor's driveway. And you're standing there wondering where you're going to go. And you will stand there for two or three hours, deliberating where you're going to have brunch, right? And then, the funny thing is, what happens? You always end up going to the same place anyway. <laughs> Let's do something different. Okay, and we talk and we discuss and we can write and consult. And then you go to the same place. So, you've done that and you go there and then you're picking up all the tabs and everything and it's always short. Because there's, there's one or two people who just feel like they can be carried by the rest. It's not bad, it's not wrong to be charitable to others. Because I think we should be. What is wrong is to abuse the love of others and think you can just take from them and not give. I'm not talking about money now, that's just the last thing. That doesn't matter. But I'm talking about support, I'm talking about dedication, I'm talking about growth. 
You think when you have a problem that you can fall back on everyone around you, but when they have a problem, you don't even want to hear about it. That you need to be surrounded by good people who are going to be faithful to you, but the minute they have a problem, you're too busy doing other things. So that sort of imbalanced relationship just doesn't work. A good relationship is a good relationship in Christ. And we are all, we are all called to be as dedicated and as focused to each other as we can be. Proverbs 16.28 says, A perverse man sows strife, and a whisperer separates the best of friends. In modern terminology, that would mean that someone who has a bad agenda puts trouble in the mix, and people who gossip behind the scenes will break up friendships. And I'm sure we've all seen this, whether it's been to ourselves or with other groups of friends. I'm sure we've all experienced it somehow. We've experienced it by, by either being on the receiving end, or what's even worse, by being part of the destruction. Or even worse than that, by maybe being that person, him or herself, who sows the strife or who breaks up friendships. See, again, it's not always the other guy's fault. We've got to be very careful as to where our commitment, where our responsibility lies. So, good friendships require a level of honesty. To be honest, first with myself, second with God, and then with others. Because if I'm not honest with myself, I'm not honest with God, it's very, very easy to deceive others. Very simple. So if I'm honest with myself, who am I in this friendship? Do I want to be a good person? Do I want to give good words? Do I want to support? Do I want to build people up? Do I want to be honest? Do I want to be faithful? All of those things. Or, am I going to throw words carelessly? Sometimes indirect and unknowingly, and sometimes very intentional. You know what? I know if I say this thing to this person, it's going to have that effect on those relationships. And that's really dangerous. From a Christian perspective, because we are not being honest, we're not being Christ-like, we're not being transparent, we're not being light of the world. We are taking on the shape and form of the world. We are not being in the world but not of the world. We are well and truly of the world when we use those tactics. And on the flip side, from a worldly perspective, what goes around comes around. Which means that if your friends are the type of people who will listen to your gossip about somebody else and react to it, then you know what? You'll be on the other side of that equation one day. So you're investing in the wrong kind of friendships. I'm not saying these people are bad, because God has made us all good. We just do bad things sometimes. I'm not saying cut your losses and get away from these people. 
I'm saying do as much as you can to direct and even redirect those friendships. Don't let yourself be led. Don't let your relationships be led in the wrong way. Stand by what you believe. Stand by what's important. Stand by your Christ-likeness. Be like the disciples. Be like the apostles. Be like those whom God has placed as examples for us. Proverbs 27.6 Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. So if you've got a friend who says something that could harm you, but in, in honesty, and again, you know, I don't mean sledgehammer honesty. We have, you know, I'm going to tell you honestly, and I'm going to give it to you in such a horrible, obnoxious way that it's going to hurt you, but it's honesty. That, God doesn't want that. God always wants you to be gentle and gracious, even when you say the worst things. So let's imagine. Let's imagine you go to your confession father, and you say to him, uh, I wanna, I, I've sinned, I've done this or that. How would you react if Abuna's words to you were hurtful? You failure, you obnoxious person, you weak person. That's honest. Because you failed, because you're weak. But is that what you expect from your father? Of course not. And he would never do that. But sometimes we give ourselves that privilege with others. Because in the time of others being weak and vulnerable, that is when we must be loving. That's when we must be as supportive as possible. So sometimes the wounds of a friend, when I say, you know what, listen, I don't agree with what you're doing. I'm really sorry. I'd love to support you, but I can't. Because I think it's to your own detriment. I think this is going to harm you, and I can't be part of it. Very different to someone who comes, yeah, it's great, it's nice, wonderful, just do it. Knowing full well that you are going to walk into that ditch or over that ledge, and it's just nice compliments. That's why this passage is really important. I want you to remember it. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. That friend is faithful, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. And we saw that. We saw that in the betrayal of Judas to our Lord Jesus Christ himself. And one of the most beautiful Christian, Christian songs that's come, come about has a one line in it that's, that, that says, and I'm, I'm, I'm just going to remember the, 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 the core of it, that um, why do you deceitfully present someone with a kiss when it's, that's, that's betrayal if that's not what a kiss is for. A kiss is a, an expression of love. A kiss is an expression of commitment. Just like friendship should be for love and for commitment. Just like faithfulness is that. Just like honesty is that. But when I use apparent faithfulness and apparent honesty and apparent embrace to betray, that's the worst possible thing because the other person is not ready to accept it and is not ready to deal with it. St. Jerome says, the friendship which can cease 
has never been real. The friendship which can cease has never been real. And that's important. Because a friendship should be able to get over anything. If it's a real friendship, if it's a selfless friendship, if it's a sacrificial friendship, there is nothing that you can do to me as your friend that I cannot forgive. There's nothing I can do to you as a friend that you cannot forgive. If this is indeed a real, godly, Christ-centered friendship. And so, in this concept of me saying to you, no, well, I think that's a bad thing, I may be upset for a while, but then I've got to realize, well, this person really meant what was good for me. But selfish friendships, selfish fellowships, are the ones that say, you know what, if you can't see things the way I see them, you can't be my friend anymore. In which case, that was probably companionship, but not a friendship. There's a big difference. A companion is someone who is just with you, who accompanies you. But a friend is someone who is much, much closer. So we must assess our lives. Do we want to have companions? Do we want to be companions? Or do we want to have friends? Do we want to be friends? And in your life you'll have both. Because in some settings you will have companions and those people you have a limited relationship with. Not every friendship's the same, and that's sometimes naively what we fall into. You meet people at school or at work or in the community, and you think a friendship's a friendship, so you just open up totally. There are levels of friendship, ranging from someone you meet once a year at some sort of event, to people who you see every day at work or at school, but maybe just companions, to friends who you see regularly, to people you're in each other's pockets with, who you're always sharing something. And you've got to be able to distinguish between all of those. So with the companions, you'll be careful, you won't be as vulnerable, you won't reveal as much of yourself. But with friends, you need to do, surround yourself with the right people who will guide you in the right way. Because, and in conclusion, Proverbs 17.17 17 says something that's really beautiful. A friend loves at all times. A friend loves at all times. Whether it's difficult, whether it's a challenge, whatever it might be, a friend loves at all times. Because a friend sees beyond the mistakes and sees the core, just like you would see with that person as well. So the wonderful thing about friendship is you are always on various sides of that relationship. You're sometimes doing the good thing, sometimes receiving the good thing. But above all, friends must be honest, faithful, they must be dedicated, relationships must be Christ-like, must be God-centered, must be founded on truth, and must be those that will last and go through any challenge based on love and forgiveness, but also will love always and at all times as God has loved us, loves us, and will continue to love us to the end. And glory be to God forever. Amen.